Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I've never been stung by a bee. I have been in contact with semen, but I've never um, had an allergic yeah, like, reaction to semen. How do you know if you're allergic to bees until you get stung by one? And then it's 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 such a gamble. It's Russian roulette. Honestly, this is my biggest fear. I'm in a sweat right now. Yeah. It's been 30-some-odd years, and Same. I have never been stung. So I'm going to assume I'm not allergic because they're not, like, drawn to me. Yeah. I think you need to be stung by a bunch of them for it to really, really? be serious. Like right. Macaulay Culkin and my like, girl. Attacked, yeah. 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 <laughs> It needs to be a full-on wasp oh, nest. I like anti-bee sexuality. I just like, I don't think it's real. I've never been stung. And I, if you've been stung and you have a reaction, I'm like, are you really itching? Does it really hurt? Like, you're confused. I don't know. Can we not bee shame? Oh, Come on. Yeah, Everyone's yeah. bee What's shaming me. What's the buzz with bee shaming? <laughs> oh, there it is. That's and the, she shimmies out the of the joke. room. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ducking out, you're ducking out. Let's duck out together. See what it's all about. Ducking out, ducking out, ducking out, ducking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, the podcast where one of the hosts changes her name 30 episodes in. I'm Carrie Berg. <laughs> and I'm Sarah York. <laughs> and today we'll be diking out with comedian, actress, writer, and musician Mindy Raff about pansexuality. Hello. Hi. Hi, Mindy. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you might have seen Mindy's comedy on MTV's Girl Code, College Humor, TNT, VH1, The Daily Comedy Network, and the My Parents Were Awesome anthology. Mindy's debut young adult novel, The Symptoms of My Insanity, is out now. How cool. Uh, mm-hmm. And her critically acclaimed solo comedy show, Not the One, a love story, was named an LGBT uh, best bet by Time Out New York. And we're going to hear more about that at the end of the show when we shower you with plugs. Yes. Um, but that's so cool. Uh, Mindy, we're so glad to have you here. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I do want to start off by saying I'm now going by a different name. Uh, yeah, let's... <laughs> I might have been a little bit subtle before. For those of you at home sitting by your radio sets. I've been going by the name Carolyn Berger, which is my given name my whole life, Mm -hmm. and have had to correct people and uh, clarify the pronunciation. Mm -hmm. And it's a French name, French last name. People don't understand the difference between Carolyn and Caroline. Mm -hmm. And for a while, I thought maybe as a comedian, I should change it to something that's just a little bit quicker of a get (laughs) (laughs) and not an obstacle for people. But I always hesitated. It was this back and forth of like, no, I shouldn't have to change my name. People, you know, I'm yeah. a strong woman and people can learn it and deal with it. Let and, them come to me. Yeah. yeah. And like they learn how to pronounce Steve Buscemi so they right. can pronounce, you know, yeah. one, one day people will get it. But then it's too many like Caroline Berger. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but then there was never like a good time to change your name kind of like there's never a good time to have kids you right. know you just kind of have or to like have move them to New York you just get knocked or, up yeah or just wake up in the morning yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like anything in life so now I'm like no I am I am doing it and now for 
all purposes other than legal documentation. Yep. I am going by Carrie Berg, which I feel like is a strong oh. dyke name. It is a strong dyke name. It's got a nice one-syllable last name. Yeah. Carrie so, Berg is nice. Yeah, Carrie Isn't Berg it? Is Anytime a cool I tell name. people that, they're like, oh, yeah, that's better. It's yeah, it is better. B-E-R-G? Yeah. B-E-R-G. You can't, you can't possibly mess that up. I cannot yeah. F that Carrie up. Carrie Berg. Yeah. No one is ever going to like... No one's going to have a hard time introducing no. you on stage now. Yeah. You know, that's it. That's no confusion. Great. My mom called me Carrie my whole life, so it's not a name that's going to be totally weird for me. Yeah. I feel like Carolyn Berger is someone who has a lot of anxiety picking out sandwich bags <laughs> at the grocery store. And Carrie Berg, like, she doesn't need the damn sandwich bag. She's no. just eating it. Yeah. She's just eating that sandwich. Someone's, Berg, someone, yeah, someone's making Carrie Berg a sandwich. Oh, yeah, she's yeah. making Carrie a sandwich. Carrie Berg is the kind of bitch that opens a refrigerator at work and, is like, and just takes the sandwich, even though it's not hers. Yeah. <laughs> and Carolyn Bergier is looking for her sandwich. Uh, I don't know if got, I like Carrie she Berg. She just got had by Carrie Berg. I think Carrie Berg's my bully. <laughs> no, no, it's like good intention. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Carrie Berg like, reaches out and gets it. She doesn't. She doesn't put little emojis and emails to come off as less threatening. She just ends a sentence with a period, and that's fine. Yes, you know, Man. direct respect, direct Carrie Bird. Yes, that's what she is. I feel like I should have prepared a game that's like Carolyn Berger <laughs> or Carrie Bird. <laughs> it's like Carrie Bird's about power moves. N- nervous in a public restroom, <laughs> Carolyn Berger for sure. <laughs> this is like your lesbian Jekyll and Hyde. I love it. Yes. Oh my God. I'm obsessed with this. This has to be a whole thing now. Oh my uh, God. I love yeah, it. So it's going on our business All right, cards. Great. Uh, I'll change, my, my I'll change your name and my phone to Carrie Berg. Okay. Then do it's that. real. Yeah. I used to do that. That used to be my thing that I would do at like my friend's weddings, like at the reception, I would go on my phone and change her last name to his stupid last name, which is a very <laughs> patriarchal move. I was going to say, why are you giving it I don't know. Patriarchy? I just felt like I just, you should change I, his name. Right. Right. To be like, Husband, Husband of. of this cool person. Yeah. But yeah, like I felt like once that the name change was in my my phone that like it was real for her or for him or for whoever. Yeah. <laughs> Such that, a weird thing. That's like a very like uh like once you change something in your phone or on social media, it just feels like then the identity changes. You're like, yeah. you're like, I am like giving you this new name. Like I betroth it to you on my yeah, Facebook, yeah. on my mobile phone. Right. <laughs> well, so Facebook won't let me change the name of my comedian page. Really? Are you going to have to make a new one? I think I'm going to have to make a new one. I tried appealing it, but they're like, people are going to get confused. I'm like, it's just a shortening of my name. You're like, so let me get this straight. You'll let Russian political hackers infiltrate your system and you'll sell our data to them, but I can't change my fucking name on my comedy page. No, that violates, that's a breach of our security policy. No (laughs) nipples and no name changes. Uh, (laughs) No, but Cambridge Analytica can come in and steal all of your data, whatever. Tyrants. They really are. No we nipples. all need multiple comedy pages. Yeah. I think it's really yeah. good marketing. Just have multiple, spread them out, different names. Yeah. Like. yeah. My mom used to create new emails when she would forget the password to her old email, so she would just have a new address. That's great. How I many, think she did it with a couple she Facebook have? accounts, too. She, I, I forgot. I think it was... Uh, it was a, it was a couple, but I th- I'm pretty sure she created multiple Instagram accounts once, beca- or it was something along oh, some amazing. social media thing. Yeah, it's like a whole new account. Like I forgot the password of the other one. So my dad has uh, several email addresses as well, and usually he just uses them to send me um, forwarded emails that I don't care to read, uh, a lot of attached PowerPoint presentations, and I've told them multiple times, please stop sending me this. I don't need you to curate the internet for me. I'm well capable of finding these things on my own. He has this one email that's I love Provence at Hotmail. (laughs) 
And then he sent an email that was like, I'm no longer using this. I'm like, shit went down with Provence. Uh-oh. Like, he's what no longer in love with I mean, I love getting South emails from people that tell you that they're no longer using another email. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just want to let you know I'm retiring from this email. And you're like, it says, just send me from your new email and I'll figure it out. Yeah. I'll like, I'll update it. Yeah. I know. They make it's it. They a, frame it like a celebrity breakup. Like I'm, we're, we're consciously uncoupling from this email address. I'm taking a break from Facebook for two weeks to yeah. work on my breathing. I'm not. I'm going to Woodstock. I'm sorry to let you guys go, but I have to get off Facebook. But I'm going to do four more Facebook posts about getting off Facebook with seven pictures of me in Woodstock, but I'm off Facebook. I'm practicing gratitude. I'm practicing awareness and gratitude. Which we all should. We need to announce it to everyone. Okay, I'm pretty sure nobody was emailing my dad at this address. No. Yeah, I think he was like afraid he was going to lose some I mean, emails. Like, I never once emailed him at his... My dad doesn't even accept texts. He's like, I don't want to get the charge. I'm like, you have unlimited texting. He's like, if I open it, I'll get charged. I'm like, that's not how it works. Dads are always convinced that someone's going to charge them money for something. Like, I think I feel like my dad just lives in constant awareness of like Fear. someone charging him money for anything. <laughs> They hate that. Yeah, like an extra. It's their, they, they like they lose their minds when they think someone's trying to charge them for something. If my dad was a part of iTunes for any reason, and at some point he wanted to make a playlist, and he spent nine ninety nine to send someone a playlist on iTunes, and then he didn't realize his credit card was still being charged nine ninety nine a month, like I did for a year. He, he would lose his shit. Like, yeah. he would, oh, sorry, can I swear? Oh, hit, no, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He would lose his, he'd be like, what is this gratuit? Like, when you yeah. subscribe to, like, a podcast for, like, 99 cents a month or you want to support yeah. and you get it and you forget and then but, all of a sudden uh, yeah. you're like, what's this charge for, like, this Patreon? And you're like, oh, okay. Dads I mean, hate a recurring charge. Reoccurring. They, yeah. they will not deal with it. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I'm going to sign my dad up for a bunch of reoccurring, like, Friends, Patreons, like just like a dollar yeah. a month here and there. I was going to say, I should send the decking out Patreon to I love Provence at hotmail.com. I should also not be announcing my dad's personal yeah. email address. Everybody on the email Carrie Berg's dad. Mm-hmm. He's not going to check it though. He's oh, just going to have his emails floating in the ether. I would love it if someone emailed oh him God, and be like, be I listened to your, your daughter Carrie's podcast. He'd be like, who? Yeah. I don't have a daughter, Carrie Burke. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, we got to have your French dad on the podcast. Never. <laughs> Never. I'd probably throw up on myself. N- nobody makes me feel embarrassed the way that my dad has. I mean, like, nothing embarrasses me. I, mm-hmm. I could, like, crap my pants in Bryant Park and, like, be like, well, it's a Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, but, like... <laughs> But, like, being around my dad in front of other people will, like, embarrass me to know it. He just finds a way somehow every single time. Oh, that's uh, funny. He likes, to, he likes to troll me. He likes to... Uh, he has some pretty sick burns. My dad doesn't really... My dad... I think, I think my dad and your dad would be fundamental opposites in so many ways. My dad's, like, a Reagan-era Republican, like, military guy... I don't think I think he just generally dist- like doesn't trust the French, so I don't know if oh, he should imagine he shouldn't. Your dad and my dad in the same room. Yeah, my dad does not eat cheese or drink wine. He doesn't appreciate any of the finer things in life. Oh, yeah. I imagine your dad does, but that's oh, just my French stereotype. Oh no, of course, my dad. Like, if you took away wine and cheese, he'd probably kill himself. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I mean, same. <laughs> no, I, I, that's pretty I, I, relatable. <laughs> Dude, my dad would not roll with your dads at all. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they play bridge. Oh, that's no. cute. Adorbs. That's my dad's great. lovely, but he wouldn't be on a podcast. No. Yeah. No. Not a lot of talking. Yeah. Lovely person. Yeah. 
wouldn't That's be chatty. Cute. Oh, uh, one, uh, we've been getting some emails from our listeners. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. We love them. We love hearing from you guys. We like to hear that you relate to what we're saying, that you also disagree with some of what we're saying. It's good to point all that out. Um, we had a review on iTunes that says that, um, they would like to have guests who aren't just comedians. So, um, Mindy, please leave the room. (laughs) (laughs) I am, uh, I contain multitudes. You do. You're, You're more like than just a comedian. Leonardo da Vinci of dykes. Nobody. <laughs> wow. Uh, nobody's just a comedian, but I under. But that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, we're annoying as fuck. You know, we are. We we've had a couple so far who aren't comedians. We have some in the future, but it just so happens that eighty five percent of queer women are comedians. I know it's weird. That's science. So eighty five. Yeah. Eighty five. Yeah. yeah. We count like a B plus. <laughs> you can't swing an adopted cat in this town without hitting a gay comic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was really turned on by that statement. <laughs> On so many We're levels. Speaking your language. Oh, oh man. That's funny. Uh, yeah, you know, we have some different kind of guests who are coming on. Uh, speaking of future guests, Sarah and I went to go and uh, celebrate the launch of Cynthia Nixon's campaign for mm-hmm. governor of New York State. And Ooh. we were at Stonewall for the launch event. We met her wife, Christine Marinoni. Marinoni? I, I, I think it's I don't Mar- know how to say Marinoni. Italian last names. Yeah, we got to figure it out. Probably Marinoni. Yeah. Christine Marinoni. Fancy. It was we a try. fancy event. Yeah. yeah. Um, we could not get a picture with. Cynthia Nixon, unfortunately, yeah, the, the gays, gays swarmed. Oh my God! It's a blockade of gays that we would have had to really. I mean, we push would have had. Through. Yeah, those gays were not about to leave her side. Was it Six. like a gay step and repeat? Yeah, basically. Yeah. But, it, but it was. It was kind of like I almost felt bad for her for a minute because she was like literally being like ambushed by these queens. It was amazing. Yeah, she she got off stage and they immediately swarmed her. Like Sarah would have had to throw me up like in a rugby move. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't yeah. that what they do to the one was, person? They push the one in the air. Yeah. Uh, in order for us yes. to get a picture with her. But Christine it was, was nice cool enough event, to take though. a picture with us. And yeah. then we told her about the podcast and asked her if she'd want to be a guest and talk about Cynthia's candidacy. Really warming our way up to getting Cynthia on the podcast, right. but start with the wife. Yep, you yeah. know, show the yeah. wife. She was good very time. like she was cool. She was very approachable. This yeah. is like this is the very beginning of the campaign, so I think that yeah. they're. I mean, I mean, things are going to ramp up for them a lot. Yeah, um, I mean, she's going to be busy, but uh, we're going to You know, Christine said she would do the podcast, so yeah. hopefully, we'll be able to coordinate schedules and get her on. I and saw hear. her speak at HRC Gala recently. Oh, yeah. oh, and I didn't get a pick with her. There was also uh, a blockade, right? But um, it was before the announcement. But just the um, nature of her speech, we were all like, "I think she's going to announce." It just yeah. seemed like yeah. very, very official. Like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool. I mean, I think that she. Um, I think that at least in New York City, you could pretty much campaign on just an MTA platform yeah. and and you know and make a difference. Um, I'm, ironically, though, after her after that event in which she did talk about Andrew Cuomo's MTA and like you know she brought up all those issues, I was sitting on the L train and it stopped, and then they kicked all of us off and they said the L train's not running anymore. I ended up having to take two trains and an Uber to get home from that, and I was like. Oh, the irony of leaving oh, a political rally in which the MTA <laughs> is cited as a piece of shit only to have 
a complete ridiculous. And it was during a snowstorm. It was awful. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was. It was the night of the the most recent snowstorm. Like when it was really bad. And See, Wednesday this this yeah. past Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. I found that, that was the, the night frames- of my show. It was like yay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's. Yeah, that's the worst when you have a show and uh, just, I'm like, but the like queers came weather. out. The queers, oh, yeah. like, they trudge with their boots. It was yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely. I found that the trains were running better than ever on Wednesday, maybe because less people were were yeah. taking them. So it was like less people to oh. mess things up. But when I was, I was afraid my train might stop running because it goes above ground at points. And when I went on Twitter to see if the MTA was announcing anything, um, somebody tweeted at them a picture of a man just taking a dump on the L train. And <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, this is, That's what it is. This is why I'm probably going to vote for Cynthia Nixon. Yeah. Now, it, it's early in her candidacy. I'm looking forward to hear how, you know, what else she has to say, mm-hmm. how she does in uh, debates and everything. You know, it's not mayor of New York City it is governor of the whole state of New York yeah. and she did she did address thank you for that saying that speech. because people on Facebook are confused about the difference between governor and mayor which not everyone has to know everything about politics <laughs> yeah. just like google something oh, just simple, like we yeah. all have we have the internet in our pockets like just just fucking google it just figure it out they're also having a hard time distinguishing uh, Cynthia Nixon from a character that she played a decade ago on a TV show. Yeah. Uh, Miranda Hobbs is running for government. No, she's not. Miranda Hobbs isn't real. She doesn't yeah. exist. She's a fake person. <laughs> hey, this fucking character what on the, the show. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean? Steve is not going to be first lady? <laughs> no. Yeah, pe- people are, get very attached to their fictional characters. I know. It's just I, like, I want to see like an attack ad where someone's taking clips from Sex in the City and be yeah, like, yeah. she doesn't even like her son. <laughs> yes, that'll happen probably. <laughs> I've only watched like three episodes of Sex in the City because I had to play Miranda in a sketch once mm-hmm. on stage. So I'm like, oh, I guess I have to watch this Oh, you, haven't, you, haven't, you never watched the show? Mm, not really. extremely... It's so uh, hetero. Oh, God. Like... Achingly so. I mean, yeah. and granted, it was. I know there's like the token gay guys, but yeah, yeah. It was a reflection I mean, the f- of the time ish. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like definitely. Friends was ish. Yeah. It was yeah. just like okay, but still not enough to not enough to like watch it through today's lens and not be like you. You can't. It's really really hard to. It's cringeworthy a little yeah, bit. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I will plug my friend's podcast. I have a friend named Elise Castle who hosts a podcast called uh, "We Couldn't Help But Wonder." And basically, yes. she her co-host, and I'm blanking on his name right now, but he's like a super fan. He's seen every single episode a thousand times. She's never watched it. So the mm. whole podcast is just them going through and recapping each episode with her commentary on like how, you know, watching it and what she experienced through it. It's really, really funny. Yeah. And it's really well done. We couldn't help but wonder on iTunes. Cool, cool. Yeah. I want to, yeah, I, I listen to that. It's really, I, it's I have really diehard Sex yeah. and the City friends and a group that we all like watched it together in college. And yeah, yeah. We could still watch the movies now and just like totally have a great night of it whilst being like, ooh, that's not, that's not okay. Yeah, yeah. So we've had people on in the past who, um, I mean, even Mae Wilkerson for our bisexuality episode mm-hmm. was like, just kidding, I'm actually pansexual, but I'm like, well, we already made the artwork, so we're rolling with bisexual here. Words, words, words. We're artwork first right. with this podcast. But, I mean, if you were to ask um, people, like, we can't talk about bisexuality and pansexuality enough. Mm-hmm. 
People can't get yeah. enough of it. They want more. So yeah. we're going to talk about pansexuality. And also because one of our early episodes was on polyamory, but not really. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> we're hoping uh-huh. to, to talk about that uh, for realsies <laughs> this time. We're, I, can, we're, I can do that for realsies. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Mindy. Uh, where, do, where do we start? Tell us, about, tell us about your journey to where you are now. Your wow. sexual journey. My sexual. In 1980. <laughs> uh, my journey. So I, like identity journey, I use bi for a while. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of use all the words. I think I'm just one of those Buddhists who's like, yeah, like whatever. <laughs> it's all words. Like it doesn't yeah. really matter intentions. But then politically you're sometimes like, I need to visibly choose a word. So I kind of go back and forth, but I mostly use queer yeah. To be honest, but on stage. Hold on, I have to call my wife and tell her to change the artwork again. We're doing queer. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not like a word policer unless yeah. you're gonna use a word to judge me or mm. pigeon me. Yes. I don't really give a shit as long yeah. as the word's inclusive yeah. to me, or you're not assuming a word. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my whole like intro to the words. Um that being said, I like that. I'm starting to use queer a lot just because for me. It seems like the best, most inclusive word, but I don't want bi to go away Mm -hmm. just because so many um, lesbians tend to um, like label um, in specific ways as like kind of bi being like a confusing place, which I don't think it is at all. Yeah. So I, because I'm not confused and I'm very confident, I want to still represent bi with my energy. Mm Mm-hmm. So I want to keep that word. At the same time, it's binary, which is a problem yes. um, for me specifically, just because I don't care about gender spectrum. Mm-hmm. So pan to me just makes more sense to include the gender spectrum, but queer means that too, but it doesn't necessarily always imply it. Mm-hmm. So socially, it's confusing, but on stage, I'm very reticent and very cognizant when I'm writing to use all three within the act if I'm talking about queer identity. So I will say bi, but then I'll mention pan and queer all in maybe one joke. Yeah. And that's kind of how I try to represent it on stage. That's great. I really like that answer. That's yeah. a good, thorough answer. And you bring up a point. I think that for how how much bisexual people have had to fought to be heard and be mm-hmm. seen as legitimate, um, but there is the sort of problematic fact that that does represent a a binary. So a lot of people are moving to pansexual or queer, but to to take that B out of the LGBT, like that would be not nice after, you know, so many years of being like, this is real. This is an identity. We're not just indecisive. Don't, don't minimize what we're experiencing. And now people to be like, but bisexual, like reinforce a, a binary. It's like, but some people yeah. might want want to reinforce the binary, yeah. and I don't agree some with that. Might. But it's not; it's like their choice to love on a yeah. binary. Sure. So I can't be like, you have to love trans people too, or you have to be non-binary in yeah. your inclusive. Like that's not my choice for them. If someone's like, no, I'm I want I sexually love on a binary. Yeah, that's yeah. their choice. I don't agree with that, but I can't like, you know. Yeah. And if someone's also identifies like women identified, and they only want women identified, and they identify as a lesbian, like. That's their sexuality and their thing. It's not my identity, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So unless it's hurting, I do think the binary does hurt a little bit. But mm-hmm. as long as they're not telling other people who to love, then it's yeah. like okay, I only want to date 
like cis male or cis woman. Okay. Like that's your preference. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't care what's down there, but if you do, of course you do. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, but taking out, taking it out is problematic. Yeah. Just like taking lesbian out of her. was like, oh, everyone's queer. But no, like lesbians fought so hard for lesbian rights. So yeah. you can't just use a cue just because there is a binary. And I think cis males, like homosexual cis males do have a lot more money. They have mm-hmm. a lot more support. There's a lot more cis male businesses. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and lesbians like have always kind of had to fight for power and money within the community anyway. So I think keeping all the words is good. That's yeah. my whole. Bleh. I like great. it. That is that's a really wonderful succinct way of putting that. I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> I wonder how much hate mail I'm going to get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? Thanks for I saying that. Hear, succinct because no. it's so long. No, it really is. I can like hear the Gmail accounts firing up right now. Like <laughs> tap 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 tap. Mindyrap.com. Uh, <laughs> so, can you edit that out? <laughs> that's great. It's a complicated thing. It's not simple, but it's also a thing that's like, hey, identify how you want to identify. Identify with what resonates with your your truth, and your truth is that's you, that's your life, and um, it's it is interesting that I, a lot of Younger women, I feel like, are identifying as queer that they don't want to identify as lesbian, or or mm-hmm. it's it's definitely not as in vogue to be a lesbian mm-hmm. uh, specifically now because people think that that's very, um, it's just like you're. It's a very specific label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. People think it's exclusive, which it's, it's not exclusive, exclusive right. to identify yeah. as a lesbian. It's inclusive. It's just who you are. But I think there's yeah. this trend that everything. I think women are women identified are made in society to like have to accept everything. Like we're supposed to be. I'm saying we as me. I am cis female, but we're supposed to be like the nurturers and the yeah. mothers. And yeah. so, if we have a lesbian bar, if we have a women identified space, it's supposed to be inclusive to everyone because we're supposed to be the inclusive, open, flowery, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And other forms of identity aren't. Um, so I do feel like keeping a lesbian space just for lesbians is fine and great and powerful, mm-hmm. but I don't know why like lesbian identity is always given the pressure of like having to like open up or be inclusive. Cause it's not like you're going to get rid of like homo, like gay, like identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for some reason, like if a lot of queer women are saying we want to be queer, then it's like, well, why do we need lesbian? But if a lot of males are saying we want to be queer, no one would say, oh, we don't need gay. Yeah. Right. So I do think it's a binary thing yeah. where about erasure for women identified, and that's a problem. At the same time, it is cool that younger people are going are not necessarily on on the binary. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't mean it can erase like there's cis females who only want to fuck cis females, and mm-hmm. that's like not like a fake thing or a wrong thing. Yeah. So it's a preference. So yeah. yeah. Personally, I. You know, I've always identified as a lesbian, but mm-hmm. I'll call myself gay. I'll call myself queer. To me, it doesn't matter because, you know, I'm married to a woman. Yeah. I know I'm attracted to a woman, and I don't need to go into too much more yeah. <laughs> detail from from that. And like you said, as long as somebody's not using a word to, like, uh, attack me yeah. or um, make assumptions about me or, or something like that, then I'm pretty... Yeah. Open to whatever, but um. can we for for some listeners who maybe aren't familiar with pansexuality, can we sort of like not to say define, but like what is like let's let everyone know like what that actually what that word means. Um, 
I think literally like pan, like mm-hmm. all encompassing and sexuality. So I think it means something different for probably different people. Mm-hmm. For me, it means that I don't define my sexuality based on genitalia or gender identity. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, easy. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a writer. <laughs> um, how how do you feel, like, do you see any, like, as far as pop culture, movies, TV, and everything, how underrepresented are pansexual people? Because it's, I, I don't think, I can't think of a single character, like, a single, actually, no, there's one character in a show called Shit's Creek, and they talk about pansexuality with him, but... I think that that's something that's just so not at all really represented. I think in general, just uh, nuanced forms of sexuality aren't represented well. So then that would be something for pansexuality. I think bisexuality is represented more because it's just binary Mm -hmm. and it's easier for people to take in. It's like a black and white thing. It's a spectrum thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and we were talking about you had Emma on. Yeah, They treat bisexuality wonderfully in two separate ways where um the I forget his name, the law firm guy with the song where he's like, I'm bi and he's coming out as bi. But then Valencia, who's dating Emma's character who I totally forgot, Mm -hmm. never defines the sexuality, just happens to meet somebody who happens to be women identified who happens to be the right person for her at the time. So I think that was a very subtle way to talk about kind of queer and pansexuality, although I don't think the level say she's pansexual. Yeah. Yeah. But to me, like, I wouldn't define Valencia's character as bi. I would say that she just, like, happened to meet someone who was right for her, and it happened to be a woman, and so she didn't really care. Um, And that, to me, was a cool representation, a subtle representation of pansexuality, where it wasn't, like, this big coming out. It was just like, yeah, Yeah. I just like like people. Um, That's the first time I've seen that. What Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is doing is probably the most modern take I've seen on sexuality yeah. from a mainstream, like, popular show. Um, yeah, and a lot of bisexual characters I saw growing up were all, uh, like, thought of as confused or crazy. Yeah. I mean, even in or pop culture, like... Or they just had a bad breakup or something. Yeah. I was just rewatching Friends, like, just because I'm trying to figure out, like, you know, how my mind f- formed in my, like, white suburban <laughs> household. Mm-hmm. And Phoebe was singing a song on guitar where she's like, some people are gay, yeah. some people are straight, some people are bisexuals, but we know they're just kidding themselves. Like, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. I, never, I never saw that. Yes. I didn't really watch. I mean, I, I used to be big into Phoebe's songs. I that show, but I, I never, yeah, I, mean, it's I super, didn't actually watch the whole series. It's a problematic in many ways, yeah. but that yeah. I listened to that song and I was like, oh, I heard that when I was like 13 or yeah. 14. And yeah. then I saw like the Ellen coming out and she had to choose between... The man in the hotel room versus Laura Dern, and she chose Laura Dern because she was a lesbian. So yeah. I was watching that, thinking, "Well, I would choose Laura Dern for sure." And I was like, "I fuck, <laughs> I fuck them both. Like yeah. they're yeah, both yeah. delicious." <laughs> and I'm thinking, "Well, then you're not you're not gay because like you would fuck the man, so you're you're not like Ellen gay." But yeah. then she was dating Anne Hayes, who was bi, right? But everyone like depicted her as kind of batshit. Mm-hmm. We don't know. I don't know what her mental state is, but she was like media depicted as like she's crazy because she dated a man after yeah. Ellen. Yeah. Well, and she and talked about aliens speaking to her. Yeah. But yes. She had a little something in to hindsight, do. Didn't quite a lot of that was sell probably. it well for yeah. us. Yeah. At all. <laughs> but she was on Oprah, and when she did her Oprah interview with Ellen, I remember her saying like, "I just like people." Uh huh. And yeah, I remember 
that sounding like hippie and hokey and Buddhist, but being like, oh yeah, that that it's makes sort of, sense yeah, to it me. It makes more sense, and 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 yeah, like the way that Anne Heche was kind of portrayed, I always associated her with like someone who's like unstable or like makes bad decisions. Like, oh, Anne Heche, like why you know. Because when I when I when I was like figuring out that they were dating, and I was I was kind of like a kid at the time, right? Like, wasn't that in like the late nineties or something? Yeah, it was. It was after. It was, it was like, like yeah, it was like late nineties. Yeah, like late nineties, early two thousands, and I was just kind of like, I I looked at I was like you know Ellen and Anne Hayes were together, and then I realized Anne Hayes had also dated men, and I just I just was so uncomfortable by that, like because mm-hmm. I was you know. I was still figuring it out, and I and for the longest time, like even in college and one of my kind of early coming out days, I was just I would like write off any women who weren't like lesbians, you know, totally. like and that's so unfair, and it's and like the woman I'm with now is not straight or not, you know, not, not like a gold star, not like uh, she's not, she's just she's somewhere, you know, yeah, yeah, but she's primarily dated men throughout her life, so it's well, like when you're fighting for rights, spectrum is so hard because you mm-hmm. you're forced to to define yourself in a box to to have a soapbox and to have a platform and mm-hmm. it's like advertisement or if you're going to like have a product or a brand, you can't really, you have to make a strong choice. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when Ellen came out, it was such a big deal. Lesbian, mm-hmm. like, which is amazing. And so when she started to date Anne Heche, I feel like it was also a big deal. But then when Anne Heche started dating men or it was afterwards, people were like, you're a liar. Yeah. It was like, you're not a lesbian or you're fucking with lesbian politics. And it felt like this, Huge. I was even angry about it, and I was thinking to myself, I could probably date Laura Dern and the guy yeah. Yeah. in the episode, but it seemed wrong to want to date both. Like you should pick a side. Yeah. But I think that's a political thing too, because how can you, f- if people aren't believing your identity even exists, like lesbian identity, even some people are like, it's a choice or whatever, and you're fighting for that right. And then you have someone be like, I can fuck men too. And I'm using my like mocking bisexual voice. Yeah. That's not, I'm, I'm making, I'm mocking the people mocking me. But if someone's like, oh, I can fuck men too. And then you're like, well, then lesbians must not exist. And that's a huge mm-hmm. threat when you're fighting for rights. So I get that. It's yeah. very complicated. Because it's it, like, we've had to kind of like sell our, our lives. Like we've had to, we've had to make things so palatable for straight people. And I think that's obviously a huge part of it. But, I certainly don't. I mean, I, I hope that we're getting, I think we are definitely getting to a point where we're not, I, I, I think we are anyway, where we're not like trying to just convince them that, that this is, that sexuality is on the spectrum and that this is real. Like I think for the longest time, the, the hard sell was it's that like, it is possible to be attracted by some sort of biological predisposition to someone of the same sex like that. That was a tough pill for straight people to swallow. Now, trying to take it a step further and educate people about the spectrum as far as gender and sexuality and everything. I think that's like, hopefully that's kind of where it's, where it's shifting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, a, that's even tough too. But I think it's cool that, especially like younger people now, it's cool that like there's queer kids in high school. You know, it's like, yeah. it's inspiring to see like, to and see young young people being like, yeah, whatever, this is what I do. I probably would have been out not... so much earlier if I oh, had yeah. any buyer pan representation. Yeah. 
like that was yeah. prominent for the, sure. If I was in high, if I was sixteen, like in two thousand eighteen, I think I, it would be a different story. Oh totally. my god! Like I it would was be just like not president of my like pansexual like club. Yeah, and, like just be like ladies, men, <laughs> trans, like everybody. everybody, like come play. Yeah, I, I was reading before the show that there is a young adult movie coming out called Every Day, and it's oh, about it's somebody. David. Yeah, I read the book. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, based on the book, and that. Is has pansexual. Well, it's a the character every yeah. single day changes into a different person, and yeah. that person is obviously like um, moves across race, gender, mm-hmm. um, age. I think I think they're probably always a teenager because it's young adult. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they are love each other no matter what because they're in love with the person. Oh, cool. Um, which is nice. The book the book was really good too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's cool, that representation. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, I think we're moving to a place, hopefully, where sexuality is no big deal. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the tough part and why there has been tension between people who strongly identify as, as lesbian and then maybe bisexuals or pansexuals in the past, and I, and I do think it's changing for, for the better, is that for a while, like you said, Sarah, like it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it was about fighting to be like we exist. We're not mentally ill. Mm-hmm. You should. We're um, not deviants. We're, we're not, not deviants. Yeah. You should uh, accept us and accept our love and our love, you know, between people of the same sex feels very normal mm-hmm. for us and is as normal as your love for someone as the opposite sex. And can you please see it as that way? And I think we're moving closer to that, but to have that had been like such a big fucking deal mm-hmm. uh, in the past. And then to have people, who are like, oh, yeah, I just love whoever. And it, it can be like, oh, you're minimizing what was like mm-hmm. my fight, my struggle, like what we so long had to fight for. But that's not what it is, yeah. you know. But I think in the in the early stages of that, like, oh, I just love anyone. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it's somebody who has felt like the rug was pulled from underneath them when they had to come out. Um, they might feel like you're not taking this as seriously as you need to, mm-hmm. but it shouldn't be serious. It, I mean, it should just be like, this is like, we are who we are and we live our lives based that's on a, our truth. And a based. generational thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind I of like really the work that is. was done to create the freedom for the millennial. I'll just say it millennial mm-hmm. yeah. or like it's someone who's 15 to 25 right now to say like, without to be like, I'm pansexual or I'm queer and I'm not going to use a word. And I'm also not going to define myself on the gender spectrum. That is Due to the work that was done in yeah. the binary, mm-hmm. the, like so, it's all. I, I think it, it's all positively like. I I, I don't view it as one like d- d- diminishing the work of the other necessarily. It's, oh, definitely yeah, not. Yeah, I, but I know, but I know because I've talked to a lot of lesbians at bars and parties about this specifically. Um, You've been yelled at by a lot of dykes at the cubbyhole. <laughs> That's what you're yeah. saying. No, no. no. Yeah. I love all you dykes at the cubbyhole. Call me, Mindy, at MindyRap.com. <laughs> I love that. No, but I have, I'm on Tinder and I'm on the Bumble and whatever. And I do, um, I don't put by or pan on my profile specifically because I wouldn't get messages from people and or, or poly. I put poly actually because that's really important. Yeah. But I find that it's up to someone to ask me about my sexuality after we've hung out. Like it's, it's nobody's business, like how, what word I use. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. if they have a problem with the word or my activities consensually, that's on them. Mm-hmm. 
But I do feel that, to me, it seems like such a positive thing, like the ability for young people to come out easy, more easily and also use different words is because of all of that work. But mm-hmm. I, For sure. I also, I think it's like the heteronormative like nuclear family main is so accepted specifically in America. So I, f- I feel like with LGBT hist- history, it's like gay marriage and we want to represent ourselves to be accepted. But sometimes I'm like, oh, that's great. But some people like don't want maybe even to get married or to have the nuclear yeah. family or to have any type of like this person's femme and this person's dyke and to have mm-hmm. that like American binary. Maybe we want to be pansexual or we want to be across the gender spectrum or we want to be polyamorous and that's harder to accept, but hopefully we can get to a place mm-hmm. politically where that is given rights and accepted too. We're nowhere near that. Yeah. But I do think it's all like, um, I'm using my hands to go up and up and up. <laughs> um, that the more like inclusive or rights you get for specific groups, the more inclusive, like it has to branch out to inclusivity mm-hmm. overall. But Definitely. It's, it's really hard though. It's complicated. It is. Yeah. It's complicated, but I, I do think it's headed in the right direction. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out the Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Find the Dungeon Cast anywhere you get podcasts or on YouTube. Uh, so you mentioned that you're poly, and do you find that that's even more difficult for people to accept or understand poly is than more being difficult pan. than pan or bi yeah. for me? Yeah, yeah, I can imagine because you're yeah. you're fucking with like the concept of love. Mm-hmm. And monogamy and what we're taught is what it means to love. Like that's that's like you're fucking with people's Jesus love. Like I'm yeah. sorry. It's like a re- love is a the way that we're taught to love in the social construct is a religion. Mm-hmm. I think I I, just, I sound a little <laughs> um, preach girl. I sound a little preachy. I'm like. <laughs> I'm no, like, I love it. Ladies, yeah. gentlemen, however you define <laughs> the way you love is a social construct. Um, and it's not like a wrong, it's not like however people love is right. Yeah. However you mm-hmm. love is right. But people get very upset about if you fuck with their monogamy, which mm-hmm. no one's trying to do. But yeah. I have also, because I live in New York and because I live in Bushwick and I am. Um, I there's so many communities of people in the queer community and even straight community. Um, I think now monogamy is kind of being held with a softer hand mm-hmm. a little bit um, and without so much judgment. 
But um, yeah, doing this show specifically, it's been a year and a half of doing the show, and that's when I kind of came out about it on stage a lot. And once I started talking about it on stage, I find that it's much easier to talk about it socially. And people in general are pretty cool, but the people who aren't, it's like anything. It's yeah. not. It's not really my problem. Yeah. Do you find that it's one of those subjects that once you talk about it, all of a sudden people are like me too? Like they, like they kind of like. Yeah. It's it's something that I think people probably have a hard time just bringing up about yeah. themselves if they're interested. Even like even just having an interest in non non monogamy. That's a hard word to say. Well, I, I think it's, non-monogamy. Non-monogamy. <laughs> it's very much something. I mean, there are definitely parallels to to coming out as as gay or yeah. our experiences in that. Um, a lot of people, they don't even know that being something outside of um, heterosexual is an option, mm-hmm. where I think so many people don't know that polyamory is an option. Mm-hmm. That or what it is even. Or, like, yeah. That or, it's not a just, not that sex parties aren't great, but it's not just like kink or not just mm-hmm. a sex party. That yeah. it could be multiple relationships. It could be communication. It could be a throuple. It could be a threesome. It could be you could be single and still identify as polyamorous, the same way that you could not be sexually active and still identify as a lesbian. Yep. Yep. So it's not necessarily defined on your environment or your actions, but it's also one lovely, complicated umbrella of a thing that not a lot of people talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We, we had one of the guests on our show, Caitlin Fontana. She was our token straight woman who <laughs> yes. actually isn't a hundred percent straight as yeah. she's realizing on her journey. And Nobody is. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Don't <laughs> send me hate mail. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but you're uh, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, totally right. Send totally me hate mail. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, you know, one thing that she realized and it took her uh, mm-hmm. a while to really um, understand that she is a polyamorous person and that's something that she wants and that's how mm-hmm. She needs to to live her life, and the fact that um, not understanding that or not being open to it has probably not to speak too much for her. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it's it, a reason it that relationships, you relationships, yeah, you yeah. Like your, when you look at your past relationships and you're like, well, why didn't these work out? Well, you know that that could almost be like, <laughs> why didn't all my relationships with men work out before? Oh, because I'm gay. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why. Because the way the way you love and want to be loved is is yeah. so specific with how who you want to love and how you want to receive that love and yeah, it is an identity. I don't. I'm. I call myself like poly adjacent, where I am so pan in every way. But my partner <laughs> identifies as polyamorous. Um, that is an identity. I don't think she could ever go back to being monogamous. It just mm-hmm. yeah, like a very similar story to the example you brought up, where I. I couldn't go back to monogamy now because I just really like love the structure, and I feel like it wouldn't—I f- wouldn't feel right to go back to like monogamy mm-hmm. per se. But it—I it, wouldn't say like my past relationships have been all been monogamous and lovely, and I haven't had issues with it. So it's not necessarily how I define, but I'm very aware that it is an identity, and that a lot of more people than probably we even know or talk about struggle with it so much mm-hmm. um, because they really find happiness and love with multiple people and the society has told them that either that's slutty or mm-hmm. or they're bad people and it's just not true if it's done consensually well, with communication. From like in, in within like the 
sort of binary sphere, it's also wildly differently approached with men and women. Mm-hmm. If we're if we're to simplify it in that way, even though yeah, obviously, yeah. but it's like men are like congratulated for for you know having multiple like for you know for being like womanizers or whatever. Some people think that's a good thing, and like, but women are are just completely forbidden from any from that kind of lifestyle or that way of looking at like sex and love is like it's so it's so differently approached when a woman well we're not dares ta- we're not experience. even taught to like have pleasure we're really for the yeah. longest time like we're we weren't even taught that that was an option necessarily yeah. or to put ourselves first as women identified mm-hmm. um but also i think women in society are naturally polyamorous even in relationships like in men too and like across the binary but everyone's if you take sex out of it everyone's poly because we all have multiple relationships which seems so simple but you know there's the the examples like you have a kid you have another kid you don't this is like literally a line from the show but I'll just say it because it's the easiest way and it's Mm -hmm. it's from all the books of the ethical slut and like there's many books I can send you guys links later but if you have a kid and you have a second kid you don't just stop loving the first kid that yeah, Lo- love doesn't go mul- multiple. Love doesn't go away. Yeah, yeah. So if you take out the sex, everyone's in these polyamorous love relationships. You have multiple friends. You have a friend you like to go water skiing with. You have a friend you only like to drink coffee with. You have another friend that you want to like make Rachel Maddow fan crafts with. And that's yeah. just like not everything can be everything to you. And even yeah. your partner, like if you're married to your partner and you're monogamous with your partner, you're not necessarily going to want to them to be everything to you mm-hmm. in every single aspect of your life. That's why you have friends yeah. and coworkers and your oh. shows that you watch. So if you just kind of add sex and relationships in there with communication, that's polyamory, which seems very simplistic. Yeah. But it's the best way I know how to define yeah. it really no, without making it seem like, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of a, another small tangent I'm going to go on is that when people are like, I married tangent. my best friend. Yes, I, I hate that because I'm like <laughs> that makes me cringe. I've n- go on, oh, but I'm, I I'm going know. to loudly oh. agree with you on this. But. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that we were on the same page as this, but yeah, I'm like, you know, when, when my friends that are, share a picture of their husband on their anniversary, and they're like, oh, "I'm married, my best friend," blah blah blah. I'm like, "No, your best friend is Joan. Like, yeah. Joan's been your best friend. She's the one that's like, <laughs> you know, wiping the snot off your face when you go through breakup. Yeah, she knows yeah. every. She knows your favorite ice cream, like." that's your best friend. Like this is your, your husband and you look for different things from a best friend than you do for a partner. Yeah. And if you're looking for somebody to fulfill all of that, I think that's demanding a lot from a person. And I know it's just something that people say to be a nice sentiment, but I definitely think that you have different relationships with different people. They serve different purposes and partner is, or like primary partner is not the same as best friend. Yeah, I agree. I think anyway, I think we need to like tangent. I think we need to reach <laughs> for like a higher shelf on the for for more words to yeah. like describe. You know, I don't know. I've, I have always kind of had a problem with that. It's like that's not your. That's your best. It's not basically your best what they're saying is we don't just fuck this person respects me. That's all yeah. they're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really what you're saying yeah. is it's like a quick way to Shocker. say like I promise this person respects me and we connect and it's not just shallow yeah. yeah basically that's what they're saying but that's the word we best friend is like the person who has your back and 
you know, yeah. uh, res- respects you. So I get why the word is used, but best friend is, yeah, it's a very, it's a specific yeah, role. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I get it. And I'm not going to, you know, no, it's cute yell it's at like, people who, who use it or anything, but it's just something that for email. me. <laughs> <laughs> I married my best friend. I married my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> See me like backing down from my convictions. No, I mean, I mean I told what about my, BFF? I told my girlfriend that, you know, that she is my best friend because I do feel like she is, she is the person that I've, fucking love spending time with but about like it's almost like you have like you have a lot of kitchen tools you know like one of them doesn't just do everything and that would be a lot of that would be a huge like amount of responsibility to place in that one person so much pressure so you have to have so that's why I have you know I have so many friendships and I have very specific friendships I have one friend named Anne who I think listens to this podcast we only talk about the Mueller investigation (laughs) like we we literally <laughs> yes. like go on our long text blocks to each other about like the daily news. Like wh- that is gotta have that almost all of our of our all of, all of our like discussion is about that. Because if I talked to my girlfriend about the fucking Mueller investigation as often as I talked to Anne about it, she would lose her mind. It's yeah. so she's she would be like, "All right, so you got to stop. You're crazy." <laughs> like because I'm because I'm crazy about it because I'm really obsessed with this story, but like. I'm not going to dump all that on her, you know, like it's, it's healthy to have outlets for different interests and different. Yeah. And then you know, pick, and and pick your things. boundaries for those outlets. Yeah, exactly. So Holly would just be taking the boundaries in a direction that could be romantic mm-hmm. where you feel no shame flirting, mm-hmm. where you could have sex, where you could make a commitment to each other to be in a relationship. In addition, um, it's just like that extra layer of like choosing your boundaries, because uh-huh. I and I think you know when you see someone, you're like, oh, you want to flirt with them, and but it's wrong because you're with someone and you're monogamous, um, which I totally agree with. But with when you have all these multiple relationships with people, I I sometimes feel like used to feel a lot of shame being attracted to multiple people, even if I didn't want to like fuck them all or date them all. So something about Polly to me having multiple having like. The freedom to do mm-hmm. that without shame as a woman identified is why I think I couldn't go back yeah. to monogamy. Sure. Not I'm not necessarily a multiple relationship type person, also because of time. Yeah. I, I mean, I date comedy. I date myself. Yeah. I'm dating my, like, you know, music I, mean, I have to listen to. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's- but my partner, like, gets <laughs> energy from other people. Mm-hmm. So needs multiple partnerships for that energy, and I'm more introverted, and I don't necessarily need that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you need someone to talk about just Mueller with. You mm-hmm. need someone just to watch rom coms with. Like you need multiple people. Yeah. Um, but I guess for Polly, then it would be like you could also flirt. Like you yeah. could also maybe have sex. You could hold hands, and your partner would know, or whatever setup you had, and there wouldn't be anything wrong with it or sh- shame involved, and it wouldn't necessarily diminish the love that you have for your partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm very I would say a, a strong monogamous type personality or just in my relationships because for me personally uh and anything outside of that feels too complicated or introduces things that that um I I'm a person that like fixates on stuff oh, and yeah. can be too inside my own head and for me um, I'm satisfied with monogamy. It makes me mm-hmm. very happy. 
and then when I think of people being polyamorous, I think, oh my gosh, that sounds like way too complicated. But then on the flip side, I think of people who are poly trying to be in a monogamous relationship that it must feel the same thing to them mm-hmm. being like, oh, totally. This is like spending too much brain energy trying to make like this thing work when mm-hmm. really my body wants to do that other thing. And it's really, I think that's so different for, for so many people. And, and, yeah. and it's not just, it's not this like binary thing of like, um, I'm monogamous or I'm poly. Or like, like there's I want to so fuck and I don't. Be, yeah. yeah. There's mm-hmm. so many different ways. And, um, I have a high anxiety too. And I'm a very, what if thinker. And I yeah. mean, we've been together for almost seven years now and been open f- for that whole time. Yeah. And, it is just in the past three years that I've managed anxiety around polyamory. Yeah. <laughs> Not that it's like wrong or right for anyone, but it mm-hmm. is a huge challenge for yeah. the way my mind works. But if 10 years ago, I don't think I would have been an emotion, emotionally ready to do that. I'm not saying like, oh, everyone can do it. But I totally relate to what you're saying because I really do enjoy monogamy too in a way. Yeah. Like I probably could do either. But yeah, it's like if someone identifies as polyamorous and they're – forcing themselves to be in a monogamous relationship because of social construct or because they're with a partner who's like, I won't do it. It's not going to not work, but that person is going to be kind of closeted Yeah. in the same way that you'd be miserable like trying to do polyamory because you, mentally you wouldn't feel stable yeah. and or happy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. It's, uh, I, I mean, I, I do hope that in the future and that this becomes more of the larger discussion about Mm -hmm. sexuality is this kind of thing. Because I think that um, polyamory in practice is something that has been a a part of civilization since the dawn of time. And that, um, but then, you know, because of like social constructs and whatnot, and then like maybe more in Europe or there Mm -hmm. are other cultures and societies that, um, where polyamory is more of a thing, but it's more of like a quiet thing. Like I know my family's French and I know in France that a lot of people take lovers and that's mm-hmm. a thing. And you yes, just don't unspoken. talk about, you know, but then would it be healthier if we did talk about it and you weren't like the former French yeah. prime minister who has his second family just show up at his funeral and everyone's like, what? You know, yeah. like, like nobody talks about it, but yeah. it's just like known. Yeah. It's like the don't ask, don't, there's like don't ask, don't tell of poly, which some yeah. couples want to do that, I don't, I mean, I respect you if you're doing Don't Ask, Don't Tell and you're listening, but I don't know how you do it. I want to know everything. <laughs> tell I, us. I know a couple Email that us. does. Don't yeah, ask, don't I've tell. I've met someone who's like, I do, would Don't Ask, Don't Tell, so I'm married, so we would date, but like, my wife wouldn't know anything, and I was like, I can't even be involved in that for me, because it would stress me out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'd want to be like, are you sure, are you sure, like, what? but yeah, European, like, there's like the whole... There's an affair that's happening, no one talks about it. I guess that's kind of like Don't Ask, Don't Tell without mm-hmm. the consensual communication around it yeah 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 i like what you said about like bringing up the word shame and how like when you sort of transcend that when you get past that shame that's a that's a very uniquely like woman identified thing as well because Mm -hmm. we're basically conditioned to be ashamed about everything so yeah and to be ashamed about um being attracted to people in general And being ashamed about people being attracted to us. Yes, absolutely. And feeling ashamed about not people pleasing in a way that puts ourselves that puts ourselves first. Mm-hmm. It's like an act of defiance to not be ashamed about something. Yeah, in a way. That's like how I really... felt about being poly. Just this yeah. past two years, doing just doing a turning it into art and doing it into a show has completely not evaporated, 
or eviscerated, but it's definitely like low leveled my shame on it because you can't really feel shame doing comedy about something. The audience will just smell it. Yeah. And it won't be funny Mm -hmm. because they'll feel bad for you. And the first time I started doing jokes about polyamory, they weren't really going very well. And my partner, I was like, I don't, these jokes are really well written. And my partner's like, yeah, you're not confident. Like they feel bad for you. They don't, yeah. you, there's, you're bringing like a lot of your issues into it. You have to like, you can't do the jokes until you're ready to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay. That's when I first started talking about my divorce on stage. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, people, people were can very smell security. Yeah. yeah. They, yeah. they knew that I was still like working through because stuff we're programmed we're like, to be ashamed about something like divorce when really yes. what it is is a it's a healthy decision that two people make yeah and typically everyone's better off for it you know like yeah it's something that should be congratulated I think honestly it's like good I yeah. had I had a Mazel friend that told me that they were getting a divorce and I was like that's great like yeah. my response was literally well good for you yeah because well, nothing- and they were like you're the first person to say that and I'm like yeah because. You guys aren't happy together, and that's and it's and that's okay to be. That's okay to it's okay to be unhappy, and it's really okay to do something about it. Well, we're taught that ending things is failure, yeah, yeah. as yeah. opposed to just ending them, yeah, yeah. And it's just not failure; it's just like ending it. Yeah, that's what kind of helped. Like Amy Poehler, I think in her book said something about her divorce and that she doesn't look at it as a failed marriage because for so many years they had a lot of happiness and then they had two kids out out of it. And Mm -hmm. she's like, how could I call that a failure? You know, it just like, this was, it had a shelf life (laughs) and this was it. Um, Something I I do want to go back and say before I get hate mail is that (laughs) I didn't mean to imply earlier that, um, that people taking lovers is an example of polyamory because polyamory is when you're like open and honest and it's consensual and like everybody is on board with it. It's not cheating. So yeah. I don't want everybody to think I'm equating polyamory and cheating. Uh, yeah. Yes. We all, we're everyone Go on the mic right now. Email that you're writing into drafts and don't send it. Yeah. <laughs> and if people are listening, who've never heard the term or haven't looked it up, just like polyamory is like one, like, Open relationships would be an umbrella term yeah. for non-monogamy, and polyamory would be um, a subset of that umbrella, which is having multiple relationships, but there's so many different words for it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, it, it is really, that. so it's yeah. hard to define. So even just saying taking multiple lovers, someone could be like, yeah, that's polyamory, and someone else could be like, no, I think polyamory is multiple relationships, but they don't all have to be sexual. Like I could be in an intimate asexual friendship with someone and still feel polyamorous. Mm-hmm. So it is complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so d- yeah, no hate mail. You guys should have a hate mail theme song. <laughs> I don't mind hate mail. I love hate mail. We, we actually don't get that much. <laughs> oh, good. I, I just hold The hold ones in. we do get hold are very long it. emails. But <laughs> <laughs> you get like hate theses. We, oh my, absolutely. They're, they're actually, it's not even hate. It's like, we love your podcast. Uh, your podcast is great. Love listening to it. Mm-hmm. Here are all the problematic things you've said ever. Yeah. And oh. like pull quotes. That's oh. great. It's like having a, a, a editor. Or like, it kind of yeah. is. I appreciate it. Yeah. But on a podcast, a lot of what comes out of my mouth has <laughs> yeah. very little thought going into it. And sometimes I'm going to slip up and say something. Podcasts are a weird beast for that because they are we're literally we're not doing a stand-up act we Mm -hmm. haven't like been honing it or defining it or editing it we don't have a director who's kind of curating our message we are talking so someone is literally just listening to us talk and unless we're like radio lab editing this or something we're gonna have an organic conversation and 
per- nobody's perfect. We're all flawed and we're all just trying to figure our shit out. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to say problematic things probably yes. that we aren't even <laughs> aware of. And if we are aware of it, that's different. But if you're just kind of figuring out mm-hmm. your language, especially with humor, yeah, and you're aware of it, there's I think a, it's There's a big good. difference between having some problematic things come up in an organic, like, earnest conversation and having... And the and then the other end having like your problematicness is like your shtick like yes. that's that's annoying that's oh, that's like yeah. what I can't if you're like Carrie Burke anti buy I'd be like yeah. wait a minute yeah. wait a minute if Carrie Burke morphed into <laughs> did that, someone tell you my new tagline anti buy don't even try it I'm like I love your pink hair <laughs> why I look how cute I am in my conductor hat <laughs> you know I'm. I'm very much like in my stand-up comedy. I'm very much a writer. My jokes are written to the T. Like I mm-hmm. do not stray from script much. I don't. Um, yeah, I, I'm not even big into crowd work for that reason. Is that I'm like I might say something horrible. And I don't, I don't even to. like being in a crowd when a comic is doing crowd work. I can't imagine like trying to do it. When- yeah, actually, I'm not afraid <laughs> of saying something horrible because I don't think I say horrible things. I'm yeah. just. I'm not a, an in the moment kind of person, even though I do a podcast every week. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so then when it comes to me just making off the cuff jokes on this podcast, I don't. I'm not really thinking too much about it. But mm-hmm. then in my comedy, I'm like very careful about you know I'm never punching down yeah, or that's anything a that process. Yeah, or cur- a process of curating, I guess, is you know cr- having a set and doing you know that yeah. kind of stuff. But it's yeah. hard with it's hard with this. It is hard and. Uh, I think it's good for people to speak up and say like this affected me this way yeah. and here's yeah. why and oh yeah and feel I comfortable saying it. that and you're like yeah of course yeah. it makes sense yeah. um, give me something to think about give me something to fixate on yeah and I'll I'll take the <laughs> hat. Carolyn Bergier is <laughs> dying to have more anxiety <laughs> I, I love the hat and I think I'd rock yeah. the hat you know my wife looks good in the hat she looks right, don't steal your wife's hat well <laughs> she's she did, a pretty lady she did a photo shoot um, doing headshots because she, she's an artist and. She had a bunch of them with this fedora, and normally I'd be like, "No, that's a lesbian fedora." Yeah, don't. yeah. Uh, <laughs> a fedora. Uh, fedo- oh, no, fedora. I don't know. There's, don't some, know. there's something there. Keep working on trying. that. I was trying. <laughs> I'll massage that. But she looked great in it, and I'm like, "You make fedoras look so good." Yeah. This is you're well, the you can make a fedora look good. Like that. I want to walk through that fedora. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. I really appreciate me. that. Because <laughs> I was like, I just literally walked myself metaphorically out of the room after saying that. I was like, you'll never be on a mic again. <laughs> there is something about queer hats. I'm sorry. I'm we not, had a whole episode shout. about it. Did you really? We had a whole episode, a whole episode on just hats. hats. Yeah. God bless. I didn't do my homework. So oh, it's okay. That's okay. Well, I'll go back and learn I never do, do my homeworks. <laughs> We're only on episode 30, so it's kind of crazy that we've already covered off on hats. Yeah. Well, I've been trying to hat more, but I'm just not. It just doesn't work for my head. But I've been trying to blazer more. Oh, yeah. Um, Do you have a pre- – so I can't hat because I literally – my head is too big. Too big. Oh. People think I'm joking. I'm actually not kidding. Like my head is massive and – I'm literally looking at it right yeah, now. Yeah, no, it's like, a yeah, big yeah, head. It's substantial. It's huge. And – and I never realize it until I go to put a hat on and it fits the very top of my head like a silly little, like a little dunce cap, like a little beanie, like a, like just a, like a, I'm like a big oversized baby trying to wear a hat every and a cartoon. Every hat is a yarmulke. For every, every single <laughs> one. I'm not even, so if, cause you know how like hat sizes measured and like most people are like seven and three quarters, whatever. When I got fitted for my 
graduation cap in high school, there the guy goes, "All right, so you're an eight. And I was like, "I've never even heard the number eight when they talk about hat sizes." <laughs> But that's what I am. If I were to, I would have to custom get a hat like custom made like for me. A and custom those are expensive. visor, a visor, yeah, <laughs> with room. So there's room, yeah, room visor. for my big giant noggin. Please make <laughs> make visors happen. Oh yes. my god! Oh, I wore the hell out of visor in high school because I worked at a pool oh. and I wore this like I think it was an American Eagle and it said like A E on it. Oh, it was so yes. it was so early. Were 2000s. you like a lifeguard? No, I wasn't a lifeguard. I was not one of the cool girls that was a lifeguard. I was my job title was park attendant, meaning I'm the one that like swept up the trash while like the cool hot girls from my class were lifeguards and I was like and I was at work in the concession stand. I was like 15, but I mean, no, you had to be like the cool like sexy prom queen girl to be a lifeguard and I was not that. I was an extremely awkward teenager. I'm thinking if I like ogled over any like gay like lifeguards back. I don't think there were yeah, they were yeah. all like well, I don't know how they define, but they yeah. presented super femme and straight and prom queeny. But God yeah, bless. No, yeah. that was every single one of them. And in hindsight that was kind of gross because the guys that were hiring them were like the managers of the pool were like in their mid to late twenties. And then after the pool would close every night, they would buy a bunch of beer and all the lifeguards would hang out with them after work which at the time I thought like oh I'm just not cool enough to get invited to that party but now I'm like ew those guys were like 30 and these girls were like 16 yes let me say this now all teenage jobs are are gross when I worked at a movie theater all the managers were creeps and they were Mm -hmm. creeping on the 16 year olds very openly some were actually having sexual relationships with them and when you're 16 you don't necessarily i mean i i remember telling my friend like he is a married man like you what are you what are you doing yeah and but was almost shaming her for it which i feel terrible about but Mm. i wasn't thinking what is this guy doing being with a 16 year old like like, that time to look back and like with age comes that wisdom where you look back and you're like that was not that was not legally okay. <laughs> that yeah. Was not yeah. Like, yeah. That was, and that looking was bad. back to all these comments that these men made about the, mm-hmm. the women and like, you know, we were wearing like ugly thick polo shirts and visors and, yeah. you know, yeah, to, the movie to theater uh, employee uniform. That's my jam. <laughs> that's kind of my aesthetic is Oil teenager that works at shirt. a movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it did well for me at the time. My, yeah. I, had, I love had like a grumpy pant. Oh my god! A fr- I, I I love a polo. I like a lot of pockets. If I can put my hand in the pockets to keep uh-huh. warm, if you have a lot of pockets on your pants. Well, it's yeah. functional. My my aesthetic is all function. I was not <laughs> functional growing up. I, no one taught me to dress comfortable. It was just like you put the girdle on, you get the pants on, mm-hmm. you like the makeup, like snap bodysuits from Rampage. Like yeah, yeah. An, uh. another of the weird ways that like w- girls and women and women identified people are taught to just like. Okay, discomfort is your lifestyle. Like oh my this God. is oh God. because it makes it makes everyone else com- comfortable. If you are, I was just talking to someone about heels last night. Literally, she was sit- she kept having to sit down. She was wearing the most beautiful heels, and it wasn't but a big deal. Her. Yeah, feet her, and I was thinking like, oh, you, you look hot as fuck. Like I'm not gonna lie, like. Yeah, those are awesome heels. But I was thinking, thank God I haven't worn heels in six years. Yeah, just because my back and the yeah. subway and whatever in New York. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of it was from dating a woman versus a man, and thinking of how I had to represent myself mm-hmm. to be sexually appealing for one gender, which is insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, I can run away so fast. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's 
every time I put on shoes, I'm like, how fast can I run away yeah. from a bad situation? And I do find this. heels really hot, which I'm like, is that like a social construct thing or like... Yeah. When I put heels on and I get a glimpse of my calves, I'm like, hey now. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> then I'm like, star. not worth it. Yeah. But <laughs> the then you're like, wow, run. my feet are in searing pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... It just yeah. makes, I don't know, oh my God. And I'm walking. Feels like movies. an indoor thing to me. Like take a photo. Yeah. Like, just to be, ta- they're to be taken off. I right, right. Oh yeah, yeah. I know, I love seeing the women on the train with like, clearly in like their business casual, but wearing like Nikes. And you know there's a pair of heels in that bag that yeah. they put on, which makes sense. Because yeah. I don't know how, I see women sometimes just gallivanting around New York City in heels. And I'm like, how, oh, yeah. how are you doing but this? Then, a superhero. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, how oh, to do it. It does look powerful in a way that we're talking. Yeah. I'm thinking about drag and taking back women identity and like kinky boots and heels yeah. and like yeah. looking stronger and taller and more powerful because you literally, women identified biologically are just smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's wonderful if that's your choice. But I'm thinking the women running around in those power heels are probably wearing like really expensive heels. Yeah. And those can be really comfortable, but I've never been in a budget to be able to afford like Manolo Blahniks or right. yeah. anything. So my heels are like, yeah, they're like kind of like GSW, like 70% off, like yeah. not good for my back. But if yeah. you're buying like $1,000 heels or $500 heels, I'm sure they're comfortable. I, I, I don't know. So, I really I don't can't believe imagine. it. Yeah. Like, look at those things. There's if, just no way. If I you're don't know. listening to this podcast and you're very wealthy and you have <laughs> heels over $800. Um, contribute to our Patreon yeah. if you are. But. <laughs> and let, let them know. Let them know how yeah. comfortable your heels are yeah. after contributing to the Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Please let us know. That's funny. All right. Well, we are running out of time. I'm here, so we're gonna end this episode with first our random question of the week. <laughs> this I get really nervous you about this be. part too because yeah. I never know. Uh, so and this I, is Carrie Berg now, so it could be really it'll be a really sassy one. <laughs> this Who is a, took a little my sass. sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> I think this was this week. Kendall Jenner, which I don't know the difference between her and her sister, so don't ask me. She recently insisted to Vogue that she is not gay and doesn't think she has a gay bone in her body. Uh, the lady oh. doth protest too much, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I, I never even knew that that was a thing that people thought. Um, I Karina seems to be reacting to that. Karina really is... Really viscerally reacting. Think, which Ken, Kendall, is, she, is Kendall the one that had the baby, or is that Kylie? Which one's younger? I think Ken... I don't know. Kendall's younger. Kendall okay. did the Pepsi commercial. Okay. Ken, but Kendall did the Pepsi commercial. Okay. Oh, wait, Kylie's was, younger? This is why we have an intern. Yeah. This is very helpful. Thank wait, you, uh, Karina. Oh, Kendall did the Pepsi, the did, terrible Pepsi commercial. The terrible commercial. Pepsi yeah, commercial. That was, that was Kendall. Why do people think she's gay? I don't know. who. But like her... <laughs> Her, insist- her so, insistence. So she said no. Is, so yeah. my question is, um, whose denial about their sexuality rumors do you find the least convincing? Um, a year ago, I would have told you Kevin Spacey's, but then we all figured out that I don't know. Well, like, that's I, why it wasn't yeah. convincing because yeah. he was trying to stay closeted. Oh, I don't know. What do you think, John Travolta? For me. Oh my God! Absolutely. Well, if you're in, I mean. I don't think you have a lot of Scientology listeners, but if you are in the Church of Scientology and you're you're and you're denying it, yes, I would find that least convincing, like a, yeah, a cruise or Tom a Travolta. Cruise, yeah. Anybody who is in Scientology who wasn't raised in Scientology is either gay or on drugs. Mm-hmm. Prove me otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that, but I will say <laughs> that any form of high denial is suspect. Yeah. Yeah. 
the louder you are, I'm like, mm, I don't know. But also you have a right to deny. Sure. Yes. It's everyone's choice to deny. Yep. But like, we know. Well, the people that deny loudly, but then turn around and like, Hurts gay people, yes. like all the politicians who like I'm uh, not gay, yeah. like, but I'm blowing someone in the yeah, bathroom. Like, yeah. yeah, like like John Travolta's not hurting anyone by well, that I mean massage therapist. I don't know. Oh, There's possibly some, yeah. there are yeah. some oh, stories really? about. Oh, him. I didn't know that. I mean, yeah. I hope he's not hurting anyone, but but like his his let's say he I mean, he's gay. Like, not just say let's say he's gay. The guy's gay, but if he he's not making policy decisions for people, you know, like he doesn't yeah. have any power in that way. Whereas Senators who get, you know, blown in the bathroom by a guy or have, you know, these men come to their hotels and things like that and then turn around and make fucking decisions about our lives and legislate and, and you know, and help to pass shitty legislation. Those are the those are the high closet people that I'm just absolutely OK with being outed in the most embarrassing fashion mm. because they've leveraged, you know, heteronormativity or their performative heteronormativity in a way that is destructive to people who aren't heterosexual and that's not fair mindy people listening to this podcast (laughs) might not know where to find you online if you like my bad puns and my bisexuality (laughs) and my pants um okay you can find me uh at mindyraf.com m-i-n-d-y-r-a-f and i'm not sure when this will come out but i have a show or it doesn't even matter. It'll come out it'll be from Monday. Yeah. Oh, so start again. You can find me at MindyRaff.com, M-I-N-D-Y-R-A-F, as in Frank. And mm-hmm. I, my solo show is called Not the One, A Love Story. And the next show is April 18th Yay. at Theater Lab. And then May 4th at Theater Lab on West 36th Street if you're in New York. Say hi to me on social media. I post a lot of hair selfies. Great. <laughs> and tell us a little bit more about the show. It was at Fringe Fest? Yeah, so it's been running for about a year and a half. Um, we opened the day after the election. Hmm. It was supposed to be like a feminist celebration. Yeah. And we still did the show. It was a great audience. It was a lot of people were crying when like most yeah. of the day. We had um, a show on election night. It was it awkward. Was <laughs> so it was so awkward. <laughs> um yeah, the show is uh, it's an hour show. It's a combination of storytelling, stand up, and theater. It's a narrative of me coming out to the audience and ultimately my dead mother about my queer identity and my polyamorous relationship. But it's funny. And <laughs> uh, yeah, we took it to Fringe in August, Edinburgh Fringe Festival. We did uh, 26 shows there and we did it off Broadway at East 59th Street. And it's been running monthly here and we're hopefully going to go on tour in the fall with it. And if That's you're awesome. a college and you'd like to see the show, contact me. Yeah. That's great. If you're looking to follow us, we're at Diking Out on Instagram. You can go there to see uh, pics of Sarah in her leather jacket. Oh, that leather jacket was such Super a lifestyle bomb. decision. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> People are liking the pics of Sarah <laughs> and hashtag her leather. H A W T. Hashtag yep. it correctly, please. Uh, <laughs> And you can uh, leave us a review and rate us on iTunes. I know we say that a lot, but it's actually really important so that people can find our podcast and Mm -hmm. that uh, makes us look like we're one of the popular pods and um, that will help us get sponsors. So please, please, please do that. You can send us emails at dykingout at gmail.com and go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash dykingout. Mm -hmm. Thank you for everyone who's given so far. You are awesome. And we appreciate it. You have our eternal gay gratitude. <laughs> Gatitude. Whatever. 
Um, thank you for listening, and we hope you dig out with us next week. Bye. 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 Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.